Welcome to Fashion Forum, a series brought to you by the British Fashion Council, aimed at creating positive change and highlighting the relationship between the creative industries, celebrating not only fashion designers, but also the broader creative community. Each episode welcomes a broad range of voices, sharing personal experiences as well as discussing the biggest issues in fashion today. I'm Sophia Niafitu Apostolou, Editor-in-Chief and Publisher of 10 Magazine, 10 Men and 10 Plus. And in this episode, I'm delighted to be speaking with the acclaimed fashion designer, Mary Katranzu, about her work, our friendship and much more. Welcome, Mary. Hello, Sophia. Hello, darling. I'm very excited to talk to you because obviously I'm living your Greek life through social media and wishing I was with you all the time. I really am. But I'm going to try and take you back, take you back to when we first met. Can you remember how we met? I remember something that I don't know if you even remember. I don't know if it's our first meeting, but it was kind of a few words of support that you gave me at the London showrooms. And I think it was after a collection that I had bad reviews. And I don't even think you knew me that well. And I, I, I guess I didn't even expect you to bring anything up. And you said, you know, I can't believe this reviewer having said that about that. You guys work so hard. It's so difficult what you do. And I thought how incredible to have, you know, someone um, in the press who knows the, in- the industry inside and out give you so openly and wholeheartedly that support. And I, I think I probably didn't have a good season, actually. So the reviewer was l- right. But just to know that there was that support um, in your face from then onwards. I always saw you <laughs> oh, <laughs> a space of support for young talent. Really. Yeah, no, honestly. And for me, being part of the British Fashion Council and going to those London showrooms has always been so important because I think designers become so disheartened so quickly by so much little things that people say, big reviews that, you know, without, it's like nurturing children really. And you've really got to be able to make sure as a responsible person in this industry that we do support young talent. The, the first conversation I remember having with you is those words of support. And it's so true that you measure, you know, your growth, um, maybe not your success, but you measure your growth when you're starting out from, you know, what you read, um, yeah. you know, just a day or two after the collection. And it can be make or break. I think it takes yeah. a long time to grow as a person and have the maturity to distance yourself and say, this is important and I, I need it as, you know, um, critical feedback, but I can't let it define everything that I do. So I don't think we have that uh, conviction um, at that I, stage. I had just doubt when I yeah. started. Yeah, no, you have doubt. to learn. You have to learn to believe in yourself. It's like someone has to be able to say to you, of course, take on the criticisms when they're productive, but sometimes they're just not, not in any shape or form. So I feel like yeah, it's important. I think the London showrooms was a place that I always make sure to make time to go to. And we were so like, happy to see you. I think, you know, yeah. designers kind of yeah. have certain figures yeah. in the industry that oh. they feel, you know, it's just, I don't know if it's your Greek nature, <laughs> but it's that warmth. And I think 
um, or that motherly nature. Yeah. I think, you know, well. the BFC giving us that and having people like you seeing you come, I think gives us that much more excitement and I don't know, faith in what we're doing. And sometimes yeah. we really need that more than anything else. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think it's important for us as people that have been in the industry a long time to support everyone along their journey, not just at the beginning. I'm going to say yeah. that to you. I feel like you can't just support at the beginning. There has to be a consistent support, constant support. How do you think working in London with Greek heritage has informed, well, your approach, our approach to our respective careers? Hugely, and I, I didn't even see it um, until probably much later. First of all, um, I, I used to separate the two because obviously I was brought up in Greece and my aesthetic was already shaped to a certain extent and my values were shaped in Greece and the way I think. But if I didn't have a British education, um, I wouldn't really, I think, be able to exercise um, all of that kind of foundation because maybe I wouldn't have the discipline or I wouldn't have the opportunities or there would be so much lacking, um, I think, especially in our industry. So I used to say separate the two and think, you know, I'm a Greek human being, but I'm a British designer, which really is not true. You are both at the same time. And um, I've lived in the UK now for 20 years. So almost, actually more than I've more. lived in Greece, yeah. more than I've lived in Greece. So I think the thing is, um, it, it shaped me massively because it allowed me to be part of maybe um, a dialogue that was happening in London, especially when I started out. And I'm talking about a dialogue with other designers where you feel we each have a voice and each each other uh, pushes, you know, collection to collection to um, have a more interesting conversation that is kind of outward facing to the world. So I think if we didn't have that camaraderie between us, if the BFC wasn't there to... Um, have us travel the world and meet press and meet buyers and kind of guide us through that. Um, no matter um, what, I would never have been the designer I am today, nor would I have been able to manage my own business, I don't think. Um, having said that, I am Greek 100% and I feel that now much more than I did when I was 20, when I didn't see it. I think, you know, um, I always say that my work is about narrative and I think the importance of the word idea couldn't be more Greek. So, you know, people talk about my work about pattern and color and embellishment, but the most important thing is narrative. If the idea isn't strong enough, I never feel excited about a collection. I never feel, you know, um, I can be fully involved if there isn't a thematic entity that inspires me, um, which I think is very Greek in a way of um, not philosophical thinking, but a way of being very... Um, we're storytellers. Yeah, We're storytellers. Story we are storytellers. Yeah. I feel like our heritage brings that to us in all our work. You know, there has to be a narrative. It validates the journey in a way. It informs the journey. Absolutely. And I think working with you, even in our Greek, you know, at the Temple of Poseidon, all the elements of the show that you expressed creatively stemmed from our heritage. You know, there was not one moment that didn't have the thread of Greek, you know, heritage. No, and I absolutely. Like and I, I, I remember when we <sighs> were um, up there at the temple before the first rehearsal, just after, and you looked at me and you're like, can you believe what we're doing? And until then, we didn't even have any emotion because everything yeah. 
chaos. You couldn't allow emotion to come out. But when I saw you, I could sense that you could feel the emotion that I was seeing because there's a connecting power or energy, um, obviously, that the temple has, but also because every single piece of that collection was based around ideas that were birthed um, in Greece at the time that the temple was built. So everything surrounding that particular show um, it's the reason I wanted to work with you. Not that you're not amazing, but I felt it's something that, you know, whoever works on the show needs to feel innately. And sometimes yeah. I think fashion shows, and for me, this was a kind of a, a life-changing in a way show. Yeah. And I'm so grateful it happened before yeah. my God, COVID. Yeah, yeah. Like everything, it just changed my perspective mm. on what emotionally a show could mean and how you mm. can use your platform Um, on many levels but I felt we were there together hand in hand and um, I think in in creating something that had so many difficulties you need that you need that deeper strength that you feel it's for you know Greece and it's it's charity and it's important because of xyz I mean I think our heritage gives us a very specific and personally and I really feel that in you a specific type of tenacity, determination, optimism, yeah, an ultimate can-do attitude. Because honestly, when we had our first meeting at the Wolseley and we talked about, yes. okay, what would we, what would the blue sky dream be? You know, we talked about, you know, we're going to create this cruise show experience. We're going to give people this beautiful moment to remember forever and and we achieve that honestly our heritage gives us so much of that a lot of how I am informed by what I've done in my creative world has been a result of my family my parents you know all of that they you know it's about understanding that you can achieve your goals it's all doable and And we can make it happen you know, we had the opportunity to do this podcast with the BFC and suggest who we wanted to talk to. I thought, you know, who in my life has given me some of the, you know, I don't know, the words that I live by. And you told me something before the Temple of Poseidon, I don't know if you remember this, that really distills everything I believe in, but I never had it kind of ready in a quote, which is, um, no is just the beginning of yes. yes. And I thought that is really what I live by. And now Sophia has given it to me in a sentence that I can kind of uh, ban. <laughs> yeah. you know, because it is. Because it is. it is. People love to say no because it's easy. No is yeah. easier than yes. Making a yes possible is. And I think that's our, that's to do with our heritage. I do. And that's, and that's been informed to us by our families. I do. I think no absolutely absolutely and I couldn't I think you know I was brought up by both parents who were both entrepreneurs and uh, run their own businesses and I I didn't realize how much passion and conviction and work ethic that needed but now when I look back and I see what they went through and what they built I can totally see you know where those um, let's say references came from and what I was looking up to um, even though I never had the desire to be an entrepreneur or start my own business clearly inside you of did. me I did I did I really did and it, it does come you know I do think that's one of my um, strengths um, which is to really persevere and be very committed mm. to what we want to achieve you have to have that especially yeah. um, if you want to go beyond your comfort zone yeah, perseverance works. It's the only thing, really. It's about 
making that no into a yes. It just is. That's what it's about, for sure. Okay, <laughs> so now, Mary. Mary Catranzi, the fashion label, has been going for over 10 years. I mean, that's a really huge achievement with all of the way our industry is, what's happened in the world. Um, you've had success on both a commercial and a critical level. You've won several awards, including two British Fashion Awards. You've done lots of high-profile collaborations, such as Adidas and Victoria's Secret with me, which was just <laughs> brilliant. I am just so happy we had that experience. How does it feel being a British fashion industry success story? I think, you know, looking back now, it's, it's I think, 13 years since I launched the brand. And it's true that, you know, when you start out, first of all, I had absolutely no ambition. I think your ambition shifts as your um, business grows. And um, I think, you know, uh, probably looking back at it now, for me, um, I, I think the, the biggest measure of success um, is not so much growth. You know, at the beginning, I was counting how many new stores we add each season. And that's how I was measuring success because that's what came first. Commercial success for me probably was stronger than uh, the press editorial uh, influence that I had when I started out. So it was kind of the, the, the other way around than it happens to most designers. So I was lucky enough um, that very important stores bought the collection from the first second season like browns and Khaled and amazing shops that define you know if you will become you know one to watch or not um but looking at it now the biggest measure of success is in the end through everything even through covid because it's been a nightmare i think for any independent business to navigate through this and really you can't project any anyway uh, into the future because you just don't know is to remain flexible adaptable and independent so that you can control that narrative not only in your work but in how you want to run your business and in many times or in many different kind of milestones i i question myself you know should i um have received uh investments um not that we haven't received investment but should i have given uh the majority of my business that would have allowed us to have more resources and um a very strong management team and allow us to grow globally faster um but in the end looking at it now um i'm grateful that i have the opportunity to adapt the business based on how you know i feel the business could evolve and how i as a designer want to evolve and that's also kept me so open to collaborations you know i've always loved collaborations from since day one i think collaboration is the future of fashion um and i don't mean that you know in the most traditional sense but i i do feel that designers need to feel free to look at, you know, how they can challenge themselves creatively beyond, you know, their day-to-day or how many collections they put out a year within their own brand. So um, I think I'm most grateful that these 13 years have given me the opportunity to work with people like Adidas or Victoria's Secret or Bulgari more recently. Um, and, and now, you know, turn those collaborations into long-lasting partnerships, which is also equally rewarding because you need the time. I never had the time in these collaborations. And I think most designers, we never have the time to really involve ourselves and do our best work because it's kind of uh, one month for the design, one month for, you know, production, one month for launch, and then it's over. Um, Whereas if you can build them, I think it really defines and keeps you 
keeps your creativity very diverse in how you apply it. So I mean, I, think- I don't know I, I, that I've ever felt, oh, you know, um, this has been a success or that has been a success. But looking back at it now, um, I think I'm most grateful that I have that freedom. And I think COVID has made us feel even more liberated to kind of um, shape our businesses as we individually think is, is best for us. I mean, I honestly think that the reality for you and lots of designers, although you wish for the golden handshake, the reality of that is there's a lot of restrictions that come with that. You are able to pivot quickly. You are able to make decisions that you are making that aren't a decision that's being made by a board of people in suits who are just thinking about the bottom line. You are thinking about the long-term communication of your brand. And so doing your Temple of Poseidon, collaborating with VS, doing Adidas, doing Bulgari, all these things are you learning more about your processes. They're enriching. And that's not to say that you would have those opportunities if you had the investment. You wouldn't have the freedom. Okay, you became famous for your groundbreaking pattern. Um, and printmaking early on in your career. Can you talk a little bit about the artisans and the technicians you work with still? I think, yeah, no, I think that w- that has been the biggest part, you know, um, of um, our growth as a brand is to um, establish the fact that the brand is an image-led brand, but use that image to then translate it into, because... Um, I think when speaking about kind of the digital revolution and what was happening with print when I started, um, it was really uh, a few designers taking advantage of the advances that were happening in technology at that time and creating patterns that were uh, so definitive as a cut or a drape would be for uh, another designer. And um, it was its visual boldness and strength that made it so much more than a trend um, that it filtered so quickly to the high street that, you know, for a few years, you would literally see your designs everywhere on the high street. So that is, I think, from my perspective, what pushed me to say, I can no longer uh, let a print, a digital print define my brand because it's so easy to copy immediately and that is hurting my business. So immediately um, on a commercial level, I felt the need to uh, evolve that language, but also from a creativity point of view, it was so important to bring um, the soul back in. And that happened by really working with artisans and craftsmen who have years or decades or something, sometimes even a century of uh, technical know-how and work hand in hand with them to take inspiration from one image or one print and translate that into a lace design or a jacquard or an embossing or an embroidery. And so my work steadily started um, growing into that um, to the point that, you know, now uh, mentioning again, the Temple of Poseidon show, we never thought we had a couture audience and we never thought we would sell any of those pieces. In fact, you know very well that some of these pieces were insane and you were telling me, you know, maybe we need to tone this down or that down. And I just, you know, looked at it from 
um, a creativity perspective, never in terms of how, you know, somebody will read it or definitely not somebody wearing it necessarily. Um, and it was uh, commercially the most successful collection we've ever done. So much so that pre-COVID, we were having orders that were so... Um, so ambitious to create um, that our atelier was kind of booked out for four months to create these. And that's why we skipped the first show. So the first show in January 2020, uh, we didn't skip because of COVID or anything. We skipped because um, we had so many orders from that show that I felt we can't do a show that will be significant enough to feel like the right continuation from what we did in Greece. Everything we would do at that stage would probably be um, inferior. Uh, and so we concentrated on those new clients to offer them a bespoke couture service that we never really um, had. You know, we did a few made to measure pieces throughout the year with our, you know, very loyal clients, but never new clients that wanted pieces that were, you know, 20,000, 30,000 upwards up to 200,000 uh, a piece. So um, I think all these years, starting from a digital print, and utilizing, you know, uh, the advances we had and also being a group, right? You know, department stores were buying London Fashion Week designers as a group and there were a few of us working with digital prints. So it felt like a movement and yeah. that's what gave us the strength to grow. And then beyond that, I think for the past few years, it's really been about taking that language and really bringing the um, artisanship and the craftsmanship into the core of the collection in perfect harmony with the strength of the image. So that took years. I don't think, you know, it was, I, I woke think, up one day. And no, I think it's been a, a good five or even seven years yeah. that you've incorporated yeah. because the collections became much more unique and therefore less able to be copied by the high street. And Absolutely. you found that that was the future for your, your consumer. They don't want to look like... The, everybody else they want to have this moment of unique we were very lucky because through the pandemic we continued selling bespoke pieces from that show which we Amazing. still continue on a monthly basis to sell yes. we shown anything since then so you know obviously Amazing. the the volume Amazing. is not as it was two months after but still consistently consistently we have orders monthly from that and completely, as I said, uh, by by chance, not chance, uh, but um, not planned, the launch of Mary Mary happened in the midst of the first lockdown, um, where all warehouses were closed, no one was accepting goods. We thought, you know, that damage would be really irreparable to the brand. And actually, the damage financially was um, extreme, but it was a moment that I saw as an opportunity to communicate that this is a seasonless collection that will not go into markdown, that really um, is all for the things that I think um, at the moment the industry um, is uh, directed towards because it's the most sustainable way of designing. Um, and it was a collection with all natural fabrics. Um, uh, it, it gave us the opportunity because the silhouettes are simple to go up to a UK size range 24, which we've never gone into that in a full collection, only, you know, specific pieces. Um, and to say, no, you cannot mark down this collection. This is not a season uh, collection. It is seasonless and it's all year round. And so 
in the midst of COVID, when no one was launching something, uh, RPR was arranging interviews to talk about the importance <laughs> wow. of seasonless collections. But yeah. I could stand behind that and say, look, yeah. this happened by chance, actually, as a reaction to the system. But at the same time, it feels more relevant now than ever. And what is incredible is we didn't manage to deliver all of it, nowhere near. Um, I think we probably delivered only 60% of our orders or 50% of our orders. We delivered late in June because this was an April drop, but because of the lockdown, there was nothing open until June. And incredibly, it had an amazing reaction. So um, it didn't make up for all the it's financial damage, but still it gave us it indication will. that it's the right thing to do. So how we're coping basically is really limiting what we do, really thinking carefully about our next steps. I want to ask you, because this is you leading to the next question, really. So are any of the changes you're going, you, you've made, going to be a permanent feature in your business? Yes, I think yes. absolutely. I think, or yes. Everything that's changing is permanent because you, that's, I think, and that's the, the, the silver lining, when we talk about a silver lining through all yeah. of this, it gave us the conviction to do things differently that we maybe felt we needed to do, but never would never have removed ourselves from the vast majority of brands because you would feel too uh, small to make a difference. You would feel you don't have the power to do things differently uh, because you will lose business or you won't have the power to steer things the way you feel they need to be steered. So. This is the last question now. Okay. <laughs> What's your advice to people hoping to make it as fashion designers in the industry today? I think um, one of the best quotes that I've ever been given is, um, well, obviously the quote you gave me, which is no is just the beginning of yes. And it's so important um, to, when you have something you believe in, to have the strength of your own conviction and to have also, you know, I'm not saying to constantly try and never accept failure. I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking if you have an ambition and a dream, you have to believe that's attainable and do everything you do to allow it to come into fruition. Um, and also a quote that Louise Wilson gave me um, straight after St. Martin's. Um, it was actually, it was a dinner uh, with Marios, Louise and Sarah Mower. And I don't know why Marius started saying that, you know, Mary has achieved this and that, but she doesn't believe in herself and she has no confidence and basically nudging Louise to tell me, you know, well done, Mary, you've done well. Yeah. <laughs> she would with all her babies. And she sent me this um, quote that says, uh, let me remember how it goes. Uh, Perfect confidence is given as a consolation prize to those less talented. And basically, oh, wow. um, it told me that all the doubt I felt is absolutely normal when you are a designer. And actually, using that doubt as an indicator for innovation or for doing something new is so important, you know, to be able to filter that doubt and say, the doubt isn't that I'm not good enough or I don't belong here or have an imposter syndrome or whatever you may have. Yeah. Um, it's really should be fuel to say I'm doubting myself because what I'm creating is new. So it would not be 
um, knew if, you know, I felt so comfortable in it. So it's one of the driving forces that was never an advice, but because I was much more shy, I wouldn't talk about my work. I didn't believe in myself. It gave me at least that. It gave me uh, the acceptance that it's okay to doubt myself. I think, you know, there's so much advice anyone can give. That's the one that kind of unlocked something in me to say, it's okay. You know, I, 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 for me, it's something that's never changed. I always have doubts. I always don't know if I'm doing the right thing, if I'm good enough, you know. But again, it goes back to if you have the agility and you own your own business and you're making your own decisions, whether it's a success or a failure, that reading is kind mm-hmm. of on you. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I feel much more comfortable to know it was my mistake and that was a failure because of my mistake or that was a success and that will give me strength to be bold yeah. um, and daring when it comes to making uh, a bold decision again. So yeah. um, what's yours? I uh, need another ne- Sophia quote. I, now that my I one my is <laughs> never take no for an answer. Yeah. Take no for an answer. Yeah. I remember I mean, you said that you tell your team, don't know me. Don't, don't know you me. know me. Don't you know don't me. Don't you know me. <laughs> no, because I know for sure that anything is possible. If you work hard enough, if yeah. you believe unequivocally that you are doing the best you can do, you know, I do not believe no is the right word to use in anything we do creatively. You no, know, no, absolutely. And I think it's, it's actually a uh, hurdle. Know, it's a hurdle. And you know, I to- said that um, I remember when I was trying to uh, present the idea of showing at the Temple of Poseidon to the Elpida committee. I think I used that. I said, I said, they, they, literally, there were 12 women. And I said, I think they were expecting we will do a dinner somewhere in Athens yeah. for you know, their uh, audience. And I said, you know, I think we should do a a show at the Temple of Poseidon to raise money. And everyone was silent for a good minute or two. (laughs) The bravest one said, that's impossible. And I think I I honestly remember either in English or in Greek, I said, no, it's just the beginning of yes. (laughs) (laughs) That's going to be forever engraved (laughs) on an epitaph of ours. Because it encompasses what you said. Um, it's part of our nature. Um, and in that way, just saying it out loud, I think also allows the other person to think about it. You know, they're not yeah, expecting exactly. you to tell them that. So they start no. thinking, yes, maybe this is a yes. Maybe yeah. it's just the beginning. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But uh, that's it. Oh, I Perfect. love you lots. Well, this I miss amazing. you loads. I love you so much. Oh, me, me too. too. Please, in please. September, if, September. In September. We're coming for the whole if, month. So, If Marius lets you ever leave Greece, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> All right, then, my well, darling. He misses London too, so I bet big does. Greek dinner in September. Definitely, definitely. Lots of love. Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Fashion Forum is a co-production between the British Fashion Council and In Talks With Productions. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, leave a review and share it with your friends. If you'd like to find out more and join the conversation on social media, then head to londonfashionweek.co.uk or at London Fashion Week. <laughs>